Oh, it's your favorite time of the week. All your work is done, and it's time to relax. So come, grab some friends, and let's get lit and join the rotation. You are now in the rotation with Suncoast Normal. We are your host, your Suncoast Normal Executive Board, and we say it's time to legalize it. And it's Sunday, and it's time for church. It's time to get to where it's got to go, which is 1714 West 7th Street in Ybor City, the place where it all began. We are about to jump into the rotation. Hit the music. I love that music. Isn't it great? It, 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 I, get, I never get tired of it. I got tired of it a long time ago, but I still like it. I love to smoke marijuana. <laughs> okay. Oh, Lord. Here we are. Okay. I am Gary Stein, okay. the uh, political director of Suncoast Normal here in Florida and the master of public health. Next to me is my deputy director and co-host and, and engineer, Carlos Ermita, our master of business administration. And MBA does not qualify me to to be the engineer of a radio show. Just saying. not at all. It's not a, not a licensing thing at all. Whatever this is. <laughs> <laughs> and above the Beltway, so close you can smell the fumes coming from the Capitol building. We have Chris Kano, our executive director and our master of public administration, and we are the masters of cannabis here on the rotation. And we have a very special guest in the Secret Square today. Mr. Richard DeLisi, who we are going to be introducing in just a moment. But first, <laughs> but first, let, let, let's get the news out of the way. Chris, what is going on in, in, in D.C. right now? Well, there's a lot going on up here in D.C. in our nation's capital and a lot going on around the entire country. Uh, one thing I do want to report is that uh, just now in 2021, the last two months, uh, state licensed cannabis industry jobs have increased by 100,000. And now the legal cannabis industry uh, has employed close to half a million workers in this country. Uh, so if we're looking at essential industries that you want to be a part of, getting into the legal cannabis industry seems to be one of those essential industries that is thriving. Now, in regards to uh, some other uh, uh, updates around the country, uh, Delaware, Maryland, and South Dakota are all advancing legislative efforts to see adult use. And it looks like uh, up in Maryland, they're, they're going to push it through to allow the voters to vote in November uh, to legalize adult use. We're also seeing the same thing in Delaware. And of course, we know South Dakota has been going back and forth after its people passed uh, one last November, and then the governor got involved and tried to get it overturned from the courts. So all in all, the uh, South Dakotans are still fighting uh, to, you know, advance and, and uh, uh, push for adult use and retail um, cannabis. And then New York is doing something interesting. Uh, their governor recently signed legislation expediting the adult use of cannabis production and manufacturing by giving temporary licenses to hemp farmers who had a hemp license in good standing for at least two out of the last four years. So, you know... That, that I find interesting. <laughs> I'm sorry, go ahead. 
No, that I find interesting for Florida because, you know, we have a vertically integrated system here in Florida and we have, you know, uh, what, 22 dispensaries, only 18 of them actually have plants in the ground and are actually operating. And then you have over 7,000 hemp licenses issued through our Department of Agriculture. So if you ever wanted to break the back on the vertical integration in this state, if you ever wanted to get high quality cannabis grown, give our hemp farmers a chance, much like they're doing in New York. And I think this is a big issue that whoever's running for governor and in any legislative office should start to take up here in Florida, unless, of course, you're getting checks to support that corporate booth that's hitting the market. <laughs> well, the question is, can hemp farmers who normally uh, grow outdoors, in, at, like, like, like their row crops, do the same kind of quality of an indoor grow here in Florida without having to worry about all the other issues that come with growing medical cannabis? Well, I think the better question is, uh, are the MMTCs growing uh, up to par medicine for the patients? And the answer is we've seen recalls, no. we've seen mold, we've seen pests. Uh, there's concerns about what pesticides, there's concerns about how, uh, you know, the, how they treat the laborers who are actually growing it. So the fact is, is that could it be any worse than what we're already getting? <laughs> I've employed, yo, I've employed people that worked in, in dispensary grows. I'm not going to disclose which one. But uh, yeah, the the horror stories that they've told me, like it's insane, dude. Like I just, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, well, one of the uh, other things that uh, at the federal level is important, and we've talked about it for a few times, but I think it's important for folks uh, to support is um, uh, bipartisan legislation from Dave Joyce out of Ohio and uh, Representative Andrew, uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez from New York. Um, they've introduced legislation known as the HOPE Act, the Harnessing Opportunities by Pursuing Expungement Act, which will incentivize state and local governments to expunge the criminal records of tens of millions of Americans who have been convicted of marijuana offenses. Um, this will appropriate $20 million to the U.S. Attorney General for the purpose of financially assisting state local governments with the process of reviewing and expunging cannabis convictions. How many states have, have already started expungement processes for, uh, for simple possession? Well, you know, we saw, um, you know, it's been a year now. Uh, New Jersey's implemented it. Most of these uh, uh, states that are going to adult use uh, are, are instituting some type of expungement, uh, but not all of them. And, you know, since 2010, state and local police have arrested an estimated 7.3 million Americans for violating marijuana laws. So just in the last 12 years, I mean, 7.3 million Americans. Those are people uh, oh, yeah, who... <laughs> yeah, who, who who are being pulled out of the workforce or being saddled uh, with the criminal record who uh, could possibly be denied uh, financial aid for, for uh, you know, uh, their education. You know, passage of this bill providing this assistance uh, to states, uh, you know, is wisely choosing to remove the stigma behind these records. And there is no justification for continuing to prevent tens of millions of Americans from fully participating in their communities and their workforce simply because they bear the burden of a past marijuana conviction. And if anybody tries to expunge it themselves, you got to have a couple thousand dollars in your back pocket, which is nothing, something you don't normally have after you've been per, uh, deprived of, of, a, of a working job that pays more than 55 cents a, a day or whatever it is they are currently paying in the, in the prisons as far, right now as far as wages are concerned. Yeah. Well, and one last final piece of news um, outside of, you know, the, the war between Russia and Ukraine, which is sucking up all the airwaves right now, um, the 
a new Supreme Court justice that has been nominated uh, by President Biden. You know, after a thorough and rigorous process with input from senators of both parties, legal experts, President Biden has uh, chosen Judge uh, Kintaji Brown Jackson. Um, she is uh, has a proven track record of bipartisan support. She's been confirmed three times on bipartisan votes, um, you know, serving as uh on the U.S. Sentencing Commission, serving as a judge on the District Court and the D.C. Circuit Court of Appeals. Um, if she is uh, uh, confirmed, she will be the first African-American female, the first black woman to sit on the Supreme Court, but she'll also be the first public defender to ever serve on the Supreme Court. And Judge Jackson has a personal history of working as a public defender. While she was at Harvard, she actually had a relative, an uncle of hers, that was sentenced to life in prison for a nonviolent drug offense. And she helped convince a law firm to take his case pro bono, eventually leading President Obama to commute his sentence. So I think that it's important that we have her perspective on the Supreme Court, especially as we move forward. And I'm sure that, you know, with today's guest, Richard would be pleased to hear that we have someone on the Supreme Court uh, who's willing to step up and, and can identify uh, with folks on a personal level who have gone through these similar situations. Can we have a clone of her as our attorney general here? We're here in Florida. I, think, I don't think I'd mind that at all. Well, you know, she is a product of Florida. She graduated from public high school in Miami and then went off to, to go to Harvard. So I think that uh, our public school system here in Florida, uh, uh, Chaka went up for that and, and uh, Chaka went up for Judge uh, Kintaji Brown-Jackson. Uh, hopefully we can get this through uh, before the midterm elections and have a Supreme Court justice who really understands uh, what we're fighting for and, and what our families are going through. All right. Okay. Now let's talk about Polk County. Polk County, the, the, the center of the, the sphincter that is Florida. Uh, it's named after James K. Polk, our 11th president, whose main uh, <laughs> claim to fame was taking a big chunk of Mexico and calling it Texas, along with a few other things. And 10 years later, after he dies of dysentery, uh, Polk County gets, gets incorporated and named. And it's had a very interesting history, along with being one of the citrus capitals. It also has a place where they're constantly doing sting operations. Now, right now, we, we have uh, Grady Judd, the, the, uh, the, the sheriff there, who both Chris and myself have, have gone head to head with at one point in time or another. And he just loves that we're doing the sting operations. He gets on the TV. He says, we caught all these people. Question is, did he catch them all rightfully? Did he call, catch them all reasonably? Because there was a sting operation back in it was 1987 that, that caught our guest today, Mr. Richard DeLisi, who was given three, essentially three life sentences for a nonviolent crime and was able to, to serve only 32 of those 90 years, because it's kind of hard to serve 90 years. And we were, we're more than that, we were thrilled to have Richard here today to talk about his journey and what we can do in the future. Richard, welcome to the rotation. Thank you so much for having me. Um, so explain what, the, what the, uh, the sting operation involved back in 1987. In 1987, um, one of my friends came to me that um, he owed me a substantial amount of money and um, he um, was working with the FDLE because he had got caught smuggling cocaine or something on one of his airplanes. And um, he was looking to uh, advance. He, when he, matter of fact, when I got arrested, he had already turned in, um, I think, 87 people. And he was a multimillionaire doing it. 
they were all paying him uh, cash money, $50 bills. Uh, his name was uh, Jim White. And um, him and his wife were uh, confidential informants, I guess, for the government and every other organization that you can even think of. And um, they were paying him cash. And he's the one that actually brought, you know, uh, um, entrapped me into the deal that I got in trouble for. Yeah, the, the last prisoner project who did an interesting article, which needs to be updated because it still says you're in prison, by the way. We'll, 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 we'll get to the last prisoner project on that one. Said so it, was, it was a reverse sting operation. What do they mean by that? In other words, the, the, the uh, state, in other words, the FDLE agents uh, wound up working with, working with this uh, ex-inmate that happened to go to prison and they took him out to work for them. And... Um, he would um, he would go he would go around setting people up and telling the government when he set the people up he'd make sure that he got money from whoever he was setting up first and um, he would keep it and he would tell the government that he that he got a you know like uh, um, a couple of thousand when he got like thirty or forty or fifty or like you know like that and he kept doing it like that and he kept doing it and doing it and doing it and I think when we had him checked out. He was like, I don't know, uh, way up in the millions. He owned, you know, he had bank accounts all over the all over the country and all over the world, you know, uh, in the Grand Caymans and uh, offshore corporations, all kinds of stuff. Him and his wife were quite, um, quite manipulate the um, manipulating the government quite well, and they got away with it, and they're still getting away with it probably today if they're still alive. Interesting. And uh, yeah, both you and your brother got swept up in this in this thing, correct? Actually, yep. And my and brother. What, what were the three main charges? Uh, conspiracy to traffic, trafficking, and racketeering. Now, it's my understanding that the the charges that were brought up, they brought you up on, normally carry around twelve to seventeen years. Right. That, and, and when they did my PSI, they they. Uh, they actually told the judge and the prosecutor they should give me like 12 years. And I wound up, you know, the prosecutor wound up asking the judge, you know, to run everything wild. And uh, because I had did something like this before, you know, this is this has been the passion all my life to do this. You know what I mean? And it's going to be the passion till I die to keep on doing it because I know it's a good thing, you know. And uh, the way that the way they're doing things is just I know you guys are bobbled just trying to do what you're trying to do to make everything get legalized. But they're just uh, not going about it, you know, uh, the way they should be. I don't you know, I, I don't think so. And I'm not a rocket scientist, you know. <laughs> you know, yeah, you t I, I appreciate you saying that because it is it is frustrating. And I'm 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 sure like. You like I, I to talk to a gentleman such as yourself makes it may uh, you know makes me feel like why am I complaining you know what I mean because I am fighting every day and I am frustrated every day and I'm grumpy every day and <laughs> I just see so much bullshit and so much crap that comes from this stupid fucking law that is just I mean it's done nothing but hurt people right 
And then I, I talked to a gentleman such as yourself, who's, who's uh, really been the victim of, of such things, you know, and, and really seen the brunt of the, the whole war on drug type situation. Um, you know, I, I've spent an overnighter. <laughs> it's all I've done. Um, <laughs> oh, you know, it's no fun. And, not even overnight. Well, you know, it's no fun even overnight. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and, and Kano's uh, felt the brunt of it as well. You know, Kano's had to do like drug divergent programs and things like that, you know. But a gentleman such as yourself that's really felt the brunt of it really like, you know, it's a it, the whole thing with normal started that this is a victimless crime, you know that people just shouldn't be going to jail for this type of thing. Now, people like such as yourself, like there, there's, you know, I'm reminded, you know, and I, and I, I hate to bring up a, another person that's in, that was in like a similar situation, but like I'm, I'm reminded of the whole blow thing in George Young where he goes in and he gets a fucking uh, a bachelor's in marijuana, leaves with a, a, a graduate degree in cocaine. You know Incredible. what I mean? Like it, they're literally manufacturing criminals. And kudos to you for somebody that that's, you know, felt the felt this system trying to do it to you, and you still come out on top. I appreciate you, man. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. The 1980s was a time when they were really starting to play hot and heavy with the RICO laws. All of a sudden, everything turned. You know, with the old idea that uh, if you're a hammer, everything looks like a nail. At that, at, the, at that point in time, they wanted to put through as many racketeering charges as possible, especially when it came to cannabis is concerned. Well, you know what they did? They, they, you know what they made the law for originally? They made the law originally for, for these mobster guys, you know, for gangster-type people, like for, mm. for people that ran gangs, you know, uh, like organized gangs. That's what they made these rules for. They didn't make them for, like, people like us that have families that are doing that are doing a righteous thing that we're trying to do a righteous thing for even we're doing we're trying to do a righteous thing for our government because mm-hmm. once cannabis gets completely legalized then people will see how good it is for the body and they won't have to worry about all these i mean i just started using um cbd oil on my on my um on my um on my neuropathy. I mean, how's it working for you? Unbelievable. Mm-hmm. All I can say is, I was amazed by it. Luckily, I have people around me like my my son and my nephew that that can at least teach me this stuff about, you know, because I was getting all my relief from either smoking or taking a gummy. I never even thought about putting stuff on my feet, you know, that would make that would give me some kind of relief. And it actually is unbelievably great. <laughs> I, I understand that you, your health started to deteriorate uh, in the last few years when you were you were in prison, and that that brings up another another topic that we, we we sometimes talk about, but not enough. And that is that we have people who are getting older in prison who require far more medical treatment than they're currently getting. Sometimes we end up spending as much as twenty five, three thousand a year for each of these prisoners. But it's my understanding that. Uh, during the course of your incarceration, uh, it was pro- it, you, you got approximately $1.8 million was the cost of your care. Is that correct? For me, it was probably a, a quite a bit more. I had a back operation. I had a, um, I had a couple other operations. Um, um, 
they had me medicated, you know, not with, uh, I'm not talking about with like uh, drugs to bring me down or anything. They had me medicated with blood pressure medicine and it was all from the diets and the diabetes that I, when I came out, I was so malnutrition, my skin was falling off my, it was falling off my body. Mm -hmm. That's how bad it was. And it, it's only now getting back to where it's supposed to be. You know, I mean, um, when I came out, I was like 221. Now I'm 180. So, you know, um, this is like, this should be my weight, 180. But in there, you know, you're eating uh, honey buns for lunch and uh, Roman noodle soups for dinner. You know what I mean? It's yeah. the food, the food where I was, was, um, was uh, the guys in the kitchen would, tear off the edge of the box and it was it was uh, out of date by uh, two years already and they were feeding it to us wow and now you were in south bay in the, uh, in the in the department of uh i say corruption <laughs> what what's the grossest thing they ever fed you just out of curiosity what just like really stood out say that one more time what was the grossest thing they ever fed you what like really stood out as something like really fucking gross Probably everyday lunch. <laughs> <laughs> it was all crap. Dinner. I'm not kidding you. I mean, yeah. I actually lived on stuff that I actually cooked in my cell. You know, I had a singer, a stinger set up. I had a bucket with water in it, and I, I would actually cook my stuff in my cell. Sometimes I would make, you know, things that would take hours to cook. Wow. wow. But, um, I had, I had, I always had a decent roommates and everybody kind of looked out for me because they knew I wasn't about trouble, that I was in there to help everybody, you know, get along, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And that was like one of my main things in there. That's why I got along with all the, these uh, gang members and stuff like that inside because they knew that I was trying to help uh, all, all of them, you know what I mean? It wasn't that I just picked out people that were involved in marijuana and stuff and uh -huh. and drugs i mean any kind of charges i used to try to help you know especially youngsters you know what i mean when i seen Bitchy. them going the wrong way in prison and and i mean there was there, where i was i, I happened to be, be in, a, in a certain prison that was pretty nice you know as far as living quarters and you know air conditioning because in florida most i mean matter of fact 98 percent of the prisons don't have air conditioning and you, you were know, in South Bay uh, Correctional, correct? Huh? You were you were in South Bay. Uh, um, South Bay uh, is where I went home from. Yes. Yeah. I spent so, seventeen years there. You said no holds barred, man. So, like, let me. I gotta ask you this question, right? Um, one thing I I don't know if you you're you're aware of what I do for a living, but I own a, a CBD store. I sell things like hemp flower. And um, one one uh, part of my job, one aspect of my job that's actually pretty big is, you know, people that are on probation coming in here looking for CBD flower because they're used to self-medicating with marijuana and now all of a sudden they're drug tested, right? I'm aware of the fact that drugs get into jail and I'm aware of the fact that marijuana gets into jail, right? Um, are, th are there a lot of prisoners that are able to, and, and, you know, the government doesn't really realize that once, even if you're a criminal, right, this is still a medicine for you, right? And, no doubt and, about it. Yeah. So, so, um, being a prisoner, it, it, you know, uh, it, 
like is there a lot of marijuana that can be like smuggled in there do prisoners get a lot of marijuana in like are there like like, it's just like the street in that (laughs) it is its own little city inside of a i'm sure there's like a lot of hard drugs but i I would imagine consuming marijuana in a locked up situation like it was hard when i was in college in my dorm room you know what i mean marijuana that i used to smoke in prison Uh was as good as the marijuana that i'm smoking right now out here oh really nice Uh, wow. all, uh, all Kush products, you know what I mean? Do you see, do you see, like, any prisoners in jail? Like, like, is there, like, do, do you get dry? Like, do you, like, do some prisoners, like, maybe, like, like, substitute with spice? Like, is there any, like, like, with the prohibition that's in prison, like, do you see any prisoners going to other There's drugs? plenty like, of them that love the, the, the crazy artificial stuff. I can yeah. remember one day, I was sitting in the dormitory at my table, right, mm. at South Bay, and a guy was on the phone, right, and he had, and I know he was he was uh, you know he was smoking that um, I guess spice or you know that artificial marijuana that stuff that comes from the Orient, yeah, and um, he hung up the phone, he went upstairs, he got up on the third rail and jumped off. Jesus. At first, hands at side and broke his neck and his back. He was dead Holy when he was around. Wow. Yep. I seen stuff like that a lot in there. I seen guys OD, I mean, you know, in the kitchen, you know. Especially yeah. in the state especially you- in the state the state joints, you know, the uh the uh, Florida prison system. I mean, you know, they're they're um uh the inmates uh, are smuggling stuff crazy in there, you know? Yeah. You would imagine because of the odor, like smoking marijuana is like a difficult thing to do. Like, how would you, like, would there be any way to like remedy that? No, would you, well, like, would, It's well, not I like would, you can crack a window, you know what I mean? Yeah, we didn't have any windows in where I live, yeah. where I was in South Bay. So if I wanted to smoke, they had an exhaust vent over the, um, over the, uh, the bathroom area. Mm. And it would suck out, and the air conditioner was blowing on the other side. So I would go up to the vent, and that's how I'd smoke. Going no right shit. in, it would go right out the roof or wherever it would go. I don't know. So, Richard, I'm always fascinated with, with the cost to patients and, and consumers. What's the going rate on the eighth, you know, on the inside? Is it, is it comparable to what folks are paying in the streets? No. For an eighth, you probably um, probably 350 Three hundred fifty dollars. Yeah, for an eight. Wow. What? You know, what of, the fuck? Of, of, of the right, the right type of stuff. You know, like a cush, uh, a cush item. Shit, that's like buying weed in Cuba. Yeah. Could you get like <laughs> shittier weed for less money? <laughs> like, could you get like you know some like maybe some truly bud for? Get sponsored by Truly. <laughs> now, now, Truly is not a sponsor. We should uh, go to that. You know, they're never going to be after that joke. <laughs> Let me tell you something. I smoke some Truly stuff that's pretty nice. Yeah, good stuff. We, we we joke, but we've also seen uh you know the ups and downs with the recalls, uh, mold, pesticides issues and such. So that's why we're we cracked the joke there. But um, I think that uh wow, just to hear that is just to know that there's that. 
You know, you, you've spent, you know, three decades, you've seen the commercialization of the prison industrial complex, too. I mean, uh, one of the issues, I, 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 even though I only spent a day uh, for cannabis possession, you know, knowing that I went in there with a certain amount of money and I went out with less money, all because of JPay processing it and they put it on a debit card for me and just understanding that they do every single thing to hit people up, you know, on a commercial aspect. And, and, and maybe if you could talk about some of the things you might've seen over the years, I mean, are they, you know, how they charge people for phone calls or, you know, how they're, how they're bopping you at the commissary, you know, on the legal side, not even on the illicit market of things. Well, in 32 years, I ran up a $50,000 phone bill with my son. Did that tell you anything? That, wow. Yeah, that is exploitation and, to the fullest. I don't want to tell you how many other people I ran up phone bills, like my mother, my father before they passed away, my brothers, sisters, cousins, nephews, everybody. How do they and collect? I mean, the deal, you know, they send you money, they got to process it, they got to charge you for this. They, you know, they come up with all these charges. I remember when I first came to prison, the food was excellent. And, you know, you could get your own packages, you know, you get everything. But, you know, the inmates in this state, and they, they ruin it everywhere. They just can't leave well enough alone. They got to, you know, try to do their little smuggling deal or whatever it is they're trying to do. And they just ruin it for everybody else, you know, to make, you know, a few bucks. You know what I'm saying? They, they, they completely wipe it out. <laughs> I'm not going to lose the next question here. We, we actually, at the beginning of this uh, pandemic, we had a webinar in regards to, uh, to cannabis uh, prisoners all over the world. And you know, to go back on what you said before, you know, about uh, the medical care? Yeah. yeah. Well, I went up to medical. I had COVID, right? And I went up to medical and I said, hey, listen, um, I lost my taste and I, I can't smell and I, my stomach's bothering me. They gave me two Tylenol that sent me back to the dormitory. Jeez. I moaned and groaned for 13 days. My roommate, if I didn't have a, a good Christian brother for a roommate, if I would have had someone that was stupid, they would have probably choked me to death in my sleep. But this guy took care of me. And then a week later, he got it. After wow. I after I was better, a week later he got it. Wow! It's my understanding that over at South Bay they had sixty four staff members that were COVID positive. Those are people who get in, in contact with those folks who are an extremely densely populated area. That's and how that they were doing it. They were bringing it in from the street, the the uh, the offices, because they weren't checking them right. You know, they weren't giving them the. Uh, you know, if if the thermometer didn't work, they just let them go in. You know. Or, you know, if they, you know, they did a, a swab or whatever and it didn't work out, they, you know, they, they were still working. It didn't matter. You know what I mean? Yeah. Craziness. It seemed, it seemed for a while there that, like, if you got arrested and you were a certain age, it was basically a death sentence. Like, Oh, yeah, for like, sure. I, it was, you know, I knew, I knew if I didn't work on, you know, you got you to gotta remember something. I spent 32 years and there wasn't one minute while I was in prison, that I didn't have some kind of motion in the courts. Mm -hmm. You know, with all the jobs that I had throughout the years and all the successful deals that I did in prison, 
and help people, I always made time for the law library mm -hmm. and making sure whatever I could file, I could file and I wouldn't lose it. You know, and every time I filed, it was like somebody in the courts or somebody in the government was telling the courts, you can't do that. You can't do nothing for this guy. You know, because what they were thinking was, you know, even when they, they, they thought we, me and my brother were gangsters. I said, <laughs> I said, we are the farthest thing from gangsters. You know, it's, it's crazy. But you know what they figured? Oh, they're from Brooklyn. They're Italian. You know what I mean? They're gangsters. That's <laughs> what they figure out. That's their, that's their mentality, you know? So Richard, you said you said no holds bar, and we talked a lot about you, like the, your experience within prison. I want I want to hear about like how you ended up there. How much did, how much marijuana did you have, right? What were you doing? How did you get caught? Okay, right. Look, what happened? It's the best thing ever. I've never even did the marijuana that was in the courtroom. That was the first time I ever seen it. Really? When it you were never actually that, in the possession of that marijuana? No, I never even seen it. I was 200, really? 200 miles away from it when they when they found it. Mm -hmm. Because they had they had made up a phony baloney deal. They they made like they were putting it on an airplane in Jamaica and they were flying it into into uh into Tampa and they were all this phony baloney stuff they were doing, which which um, was the conspiracy. They were conspiring, you know, to figure out a way to get me the best, the the, the longest and, uh, and and the worst time ever. They wanted to make an example out of me because mm -hmm. of, like I said, the Italian last name from New York, you know what I mean? From Brooklyn and all that stuff, you know what I mean? And um, they they did it. They were able to do it. Now, but you weren't even touching the plant, right? Excuse me? No, I never even seen it. Wow. You know, so at uh, what, what level were, you, were they, were, was your culpability then? Uh, they was, here's what they were saying. They were saying that, that I had smuggled weed from, from, from Jamaica on this airplane that never even left what they did was they they drove the weed from Polk County Sheriff's Department to Tampa to Vernonburg Airport. I think it's Vernonburg, and they loaded it on this friend of mine's airplane that I thought was my friend that was setting me up. You know, he was working for them, and he flew it. He flew it from from there to Polk County, and then at Polk County, some people picked it up, and when they were pulling out of the airport, they got arrested. And a, and a few days after that, they arrested me uh, 200 miles south of where they, in other words, they arrested me in Broward County, but they put me in a car and took me to Polk because they knew it would never stick in Broward. That's crazy. So, so a friend basically gave you up. Like you, you went down because somebody else didn't want to go down. Exactly. He went down and they took him out to get everybody else, you know, to get as many people as he could actually uh, figure out how he could get them, you know? Wow. Well, that was something I was going to say is, you know, like 
Richard, you did 32 years. You didn't snitch. You didn't roll over on anybody. But that's because you were snitched on. There was a snitch setting you up. That's that's uh, that's wow. just mind-boggling. Well, don't get me wrong. I could have been a snitch. Yeah. You know, I could have ratted out the people, you know, the people that were involved with me. But um, for what? I knew what I, you know, here I am. I believe in what I do. So why would I try to put someone else behind bars because of... You know, a friend of mine that was involved with me, right? He called, I, I, I call him up and they wanted to offer me a deal. They said, we'll give you five years if you give us the guy who gave you the money to do the deal, right? So I said, let me think about that, you know? So I, I call my friend up, you know, that gave me the money. And I said to him, I say, hey, Johnny, what's going on? He says, oh, man, I found out that my wife's pregnant with twins. Oh, I shit. said, okay, nice. Listen, I'll talk to you soon. And I hung up the phone. Wow. You know, 32 years later, I told him the story. He said, I can't believe they offered you, you know, a couple of years. And I would have got a couple of years. And we wouldn't have had all this trauma and in the, fa in the family that went on, you know? I mean, you got to understand, when you're pulled out of a, a family, you got, you know, your little siblings that you're taking care of, you got your wife, you got your children, you know, you got the house, you got the business. When you're taken away from that, it just destroys the whole world of what was going on for something that God put on the planet for us to... Enjoy. Yeah. Now I, I met Don, I met Donnie Clark, who's over in Manatee County. He uh, he also served. Uh, he was he was also on a life sentence. He was uh, was uh, commuted by Clinton, but uh, he had told me that you know his whole family was involved in the business, and that they they asked him to go ahead and roll over on, on his family, and he said, "I'm not going to do that. I'm, I'm declare myself not guilty." He was the only person in his entire family to do that. And he ended up serving all that time. Everybody else got off for the matter of three or four years, but he was not going to do that. And so he, he, he took the brunt of that and, and served a, a very, very long time. Now, and, you know, you... I know, and you know what my friend had told me? My friend said to me, if you would have told me that, you would have did two years and I would have did two years and we would have been home. And we would have, you know, succeed, you know, kept on doing what we, whatever we were doing. You know what I mean? And um, and he's my friend today. He's a professor. He listened to me when when I was uh, when I was in business before you know all this trouble started happening. Uh, I said to him, Johnny, this really ain't your thing, man. You're a, you you know you're a real smart man. Go get an education. He went back to college and he wound up being a professor. And he's he, you know he's been a professor in universities all over the country, and uh, mostly mostly up north in New York area and, and uh, Massachusetts area. But he's he's still a wonderful friend of mine. As a matter of fact, he's coming to Florida today. He's going to stay with me for a couple of weeks. Oh, fantastic! Now you you mentioned that you you were always digging into the law library. I take it you you started in motion the idea the, 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 to find a way to get yourself out of prison from close to the very beginning that you you, you were incarcerated and continuing on throughout the entire thirty one years. I know that you mentioned you had only a few clemency hearings during that time and each case, each case they were refused. Nikki Fried has told us there are a lot of clemency hearings that just don't happen. Yeah. So, did you see a lot of people who were waiting and waiting and waiting for clemency that never came? 
said it one more time. Did you uh, were, were, did you meet a lot of folks in prison who 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 had been waiting for a long, long time for any kind of clemency hearing that never happened in Florida? Oh, for sure. Everywhere. Hmm. Rick Scott, you know, doesn't seem like he did much for clemency when he was governor. No, Rick was like. You know, he was just doing the politics thing to go up the ladder. You know, that, that that's what they all do. You know, the, um, our governor that we have now, maybe he'll maybe he'll wind up budging because there's so much money involved. You know, and people start to twist your arm a little bit. Hey, you know, I want you know, the friend thing comes into effect. You know what I mean? The politic friend thing, and and that's the way that's the way things actually get moving along in the country, and and it's it's. Uh, with this particular thing, it should it should be for people like us, you know, people that, that that are trying to fight for this thing to be legal, people that 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 spent their life doing this, their whole life doing it, you know. I mean, mm-hmm. I've been doing this since I was thirteen years old. Besides you know, the, the NRA, Geo is one of the largest lobbying groups in, in Tallahassee, and of course they are they, they represent all the for profit prisons. It's amazing how much profit there is in, in incarcerating people, which is absolutely insane that, that, oh, that, that this should be a for-profit industry. You, the best part is they, don't, they figure out how to keep you there as long as possible to get as much money as they can, you know? Yeah. And Geo has enough money to buy both parties. I mean, Geo is not just a Republican donor. They're donating money to the Democrats in Florida to their reelection. I mean, we see Senator Dara Roussan taking their money. We've seen Lauren Book taking their money. People who you think are good progressive Democrats are taking money from the private prisons. And it's going to continue. Well, Richard, what led to your final, uh, you're finally getting released? What was it like the final day? Well, no. What, what led to your final release? What actions yep. were taken by, by who? Yeah, what did it take to get you out, Richard? <laughs> oh, what happened was my 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 nephew and my son. Uh, they started this this um, you know the freedelisi was the first thing that we started, and we started getting a lot of followers and a lot of followers, and they kept at it. You know, they kept at it and at it and at it. And then um, it took probably 15 or 16 years and the last prison project thing popped up. And I remember when I was in prison that someone came over to me and I said, hey, man, you know anything about this uh, last prisoners project, this uh, Steve D'Angelo guy? And I said, no, I don't know nothing about it, bro. He said, well, maybe you should look into it. And uh, at that time, they were already looking into my deal because they were in touch with my son and my nephew. And um, a guy did a little report on me in Polk County in the newspaper, a guy that was a cannabis guy. And um, he thought it was kind of bad that I, you know, they were doing what they were doing to me. And he wound up um, writing a little article and then Fox News picked up on it in Tampa. And once Fox News picked up on in Tamper, they couldn't hold the lid on it no longer. I mean, it blew it blew wide open. Every newspaper in the country had me in their newspaper. Even in Europe, I was in the newspaper. 
wow. about you know the the countries that haven't realized that look at this man he they're they're finally going to let this guy out you know uh, uh, but this was just before they decide what they were going to do with me because um, I was sitting in my cell when it all happened and um, uh, I was sitting there and I was talking to my roommate and, and, my, and my roommate said, hey man, uh, they were you in the officer station, class A. And I said, man, I ain't even use the bathroom. Man. I ain't going to go out there right now. He said, no, no, they're anxious to get you. So I, I paid no attention to it and they finally wound up coming and getting me and told me, hey, you got to go down to classification. And I went down the classification when i go into classification they tell me um listen uh classification tallahassee is going to call and they want to talk to you about something i said what the head of classification in tallahassee don't even talk to my folks when they try to call him and he's going to call me and print. it's unheard of so i said what is it about they said oh there's some kind of mistake they made on your game time now this is all going on while the last prisoners project is stirring the bowl of soup, you know? In other words, it's starting to overboil, you know what I mean? So they're trying to figure a way to get me out before it really goes, you know, crazy. So, um, I mean, I was just like, I'm sitting there and I don't know what to think, but my classification officer blinked at me. So I knew it was okay, but when I walked in the office, the head DOC person was there, the monitor for the prison, you know, for the for the South Bay prison, and the head of classification from South Bay was in there. And I said, what's going on? They said, oh, they just want to talk to you about something. They made a mistake in your game time. What they were doing was they were actually going to bullshit me. Because what happened is they finally called me and they're telling me, oh, we made a mistake in your game time. Um, we're going to let you go like in about three months because, you know, we made this big mistake that we didn't give you this time. And, I, and you know, when you're an inmate, you know, the minute you're getting out, there is no, you know, what game time, when are you going to get it? What you got it for? I mean, if you did something good in the prison, you know, you went to a class and they gave you a couple of days, you still get, you get it right. So you click off all the stuff because it comes off your game time sheet every month. So I knew exactly when I was going home. So he so he tells me, uh, yeah, we're going to let you go in three months. I'm like, so I said to him, I said to him, I had I had four disciplinary reports in 32 years. Excuse me. Once for kissing my girl in a visiting park twice. Um, once for leaving my job because I had the flu, you know, stupid stuff. And I had said it to the head of classification while I was on the phone with him in Tallahassee. I said, hey, listen, I got like, um, I got like four DRs for the stupid. And he goes, yeah, I can't believe. I'm talking to the head of classification up there. He says, I can't believe them assholes wrote you DRs for that stupid shit. I said, yeah, you know what I'm trying to do? I'd like to get maybe, you know, uh, uh, maybe a little bit of the game time back, you know, like uh, a couple of weeks, a month. He said, you know what, Mr. Delisi, I'm going to give you all that game time. You're going to go home the 8th of December. Now, I, you know, when I left my cell, I was still going to be in prison for a long, long time. Now this guy's telling me this, right? 
So I walk out of there like I'm almost in a, I'm almost in a, in a stupor. I go back to my, I go back to my quad and I walk in, I walk into the cell. He goes, my roommate's waiting there. He goes, what, what's going on, Richie? You know, they called me Uncle Richie in there. He goes, Uncle Richie, what's happening? I said, man, they tell me I'm going home the eighth. He said, man, don't even play around like that, bro. I said, hey, bro, I'm telling you, they told me I'm going home the eighth. Because, um, you know, they found some game time. And he goes to me, they found some game time. We've been doing the game time for like, you know, two years now. There was no game time that wasn't there. <laughs> so, you know, I said, yeah, they bullshitted me. They bullshitted the, the whole state. And uh, here I am. <laughs> now, for those uninitiated, game time is, is the time that you gather, you accumulate during the time of your, your incarceration that it is taken off of your sentence at the end, usually to, to a, a good behavior or helping out other prisoners, correct? What did you do for game time? Uh, what I did for game time, um, uh, I worked in the chapel. I did programs. I worked in uh, horticulture. Um, I worked in small engines. Um, you know, I went through all these classes. And when I was done with the classes, that the uh, the supervisor of the classes uh, would always ask me, hey, hey, you know, Uncle Richie, you want to stay here and work, you know, be, a, be an aide for us? And I'd say, hey, okay, listen, I'll stick around for six or seven months, but, uh, you know, I'm going to move on. And, you know, I would stay and I would teach teach people how to, you know, make cabinets. I was in the cabinet making that one I stayed in for a couple of years. But I, I got tired of it, too. You know, it's, you know, I was, I was too busy, you know, uh, trying to get myself out of prison and trying to stay focused on what I needed to do, you know, to be. To be just, you know, so when I got into chapel, I was happy, you know, because I could, you know, help and do programs. And then when I had my little leisure time, I could go into the into the chapel library and do what I had to do with the legal work and stuff, you know. What's uh, what's the first thing you wanted to do when you got out? The first thing I wanted to do when I got out was take a swim and see my first. Well, the first thing I actually wanted to do was grab a hold of my grandchildren and my family. You know, my son and my, you know, everybody that I, you know, I had grandchildren that I never even met, you know? Yeah. I mean, I talked to them on the telephone or I talked to them on the, uh, on the, um, the little tablets that they had, but, you know, they were charging that. That's one of them right there. That's my little baby there. That's Aya. That's Richie's little girl. She's the greatest. Beautiful. I love her to death. Brings yeah, she's cute as heck. Richard, you know, being in, in 32 years, I mean, the world, consumer technology, you know, everything has changed. I mean, when you went into the 80s and now everybody has these devices that connect us. I mean, just tell us a little bit about the culture shock com coming home. Let's take a um, look at it. <laughs> it was quite a culture shock, for real. Um, when I got out, my friend, my son handed me a telephone. It was uh, an iPhone 10. Uh, he just gave me a new one the other day for my birthday. He gave me a 12 uh, Pro or something. You know, I don't even know how to use, uh, you know, a flip phone. And he, he hands me this thing and he says, oh, yeah, Dad, George, you got to do is push this and do that. And, you, you know, you get directions to where you want to go. I'm like, yeah, sure. Get the fuck out of here. What are you, are you kidding me, right? <laughs> I had no idea, right? 
when I started playing with it, when every day I learned something new on the phone. And you got to remember, I've been home over a year now. You know? Yeah. It's just, it's just like my passion now is I'm home, but there's over 40,000 of us that are still there. All right? That ain't coming home until we do something about these laws. And we got to do something. We got to stay on top of these people. This is very, very important. I mean, getting it legalized is one thing, but we got to get these laws changed to get these men and women out. They got families, you know what I mean? I was out for Christmas. They're not. I was out for Thanksgiving. They're not. I'm out for all of these great things with my family and just growing up and seeing them grow, you know? And we need and we need help with that, man. That's very important. And the last prisoners project and freedom growing, all these people um, that are trying to help with getting these people out of prison, boy, it's very, very, very important not to forget who's still there. Yeah, we have people who are, who are still in from the 80s, from the 90s, from the aughts, so to speak. And I, I take it you saw your, your fair share of people who are, who are on low-level uh, drug offenses in prison who should never have been there in the first place. Exactly. And with that, and they're still doing it. They just, uh, they, they got a kid the other day in, um, I think it was Louisiana. They gave him like um, life with 30 for a marijuana nonviolent charge. What? So, so it's, it's still going on. It's legal next to that state. What? Yeah, it's legal medically in that state too. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Is that nuts? Yeah, absolutely. Wow. You know, Richard, what what they got a young, a young, a young man that they just pulled out of his his family. They took him out of his family, this whole surrounding, and throws him in prison. And and the and the bad part is guys like me that are in prison. For nonviolent, you know, I got a guy next to me, a rapist that raped kids, and uh, I got a guy above me that that uh, that uh, shoots people and kills people. You know what I mean? And they're mixing them up with people like us, you know, that are nonviolent, and we're, we're about we're all about peace. You know what I mean? I'm about peace and love, bro. That's my whole thing. Yeah, was South Bay a, a medium security? I'm sorry. Was South Bay a medium security facility? No, it's closed custody. That's a maximum security prison. Wow, gotcha. You know, Richard, yeah, I was I was reading I some was of the never, never in a minimum security prison all the time I was down, and I had a minimum security. I had a minimum when I got to minimum. They still didn't do anything when I got to when I got to to um, community. They still didn't do anything. They kept me in a maximum security prison. Instead of sending me to work release or something where wow. I could at least see my family, you know, once a week, you know, where I could hug them and kiss them and, you know, and eat a little food, real food with them. But they, they, you know, they, they're, they're heartless when it comes to stuff like that. Really, they are. You know, and, we know uh, that there's always a lot of corruption in, in Florida on, on, on several levels of the legislature, but also even within in the DOC there and 
in our legal system. There's all sorts of corruption. I mean, we had a huge case that went on for years about a very, very rich person in, in West Palm who was trafficking young girls, 14-year-old girls, bringing them to the house. And when he got put in prison, he was given uh, ability to go to back and forth to home and do his, do his work and only stay in prison during the weekends. Incredible. And yet folks like yourself were, were in there 24-7 for 32 years. It just and doesn't the guy, make the guy sense. Was, the, guy was right, the guy lived like uh, a couple of miles from my house. Wow. That's heavy. And Richard, he, he and the, name. Guy was, the guy was, I hear from all the people that were around him, he was completely out of control. And all the politicians were completely out of control with him. You know, with all the sex stuff and all that shit going on in the aisle. Oh, my God, it was out of control. And, uh, you know, you know, our president our, and, our, and our president's wife was in on that deal. <laughs> I had a chance to uh, talk to Mark Inch, who's currently head of the Department of Corrections, and, and asked him basically, "Are we look, looking at are looking at our prisons right now as, as a place of incarceration or a par, or a place of reformation?" And he said, "It is it is both, and it is as it is." I don't understand exactly what that means, but it, just, it seems to me that people do not seem to get better. If they are involved in, if they start out with a, a history of violence, you didn't even have a history of violence when you went into prison. The thing is, the thing is in the system, what they have to do is they took out all the education. Luckily, South Bay has it because they're getting money from the government to do it. But the state, they don't have anything to help people anymore. You know, I mean, uh, a youngster go, could go into prison, say, when I went in, like a guy 20 years old, and he could stay for four or five years and learn a complete trade where he could come out and never go back to prison. Well, they don't have that anymore. All they have is like, you know, hangout spots. You know what I mean? No educational programs. You know, it's, it's, it's completely insane, especially, especially in this state. You know, the, the uh, Department of Corrections in Florida is, is just, um, they're not spending any money on their inmates. They just want to house them and collect. They don't want to feed them or, or uh, clothe them in a proper way. I mean, giving, giving used clothes to inmates, you know, you wait six months and get a pair of underwear with stains in them. Come on, give me a break. Wow. And then, and they won't let your people send you anything. That's the thing, you know. You know, folks could send something, man. Yeah, we appreciate that uh, your son and your nephew, Ken. You should just uh, stop by and just, just poke your head in and say say hi. <laughs> well, we got Kenny. Kenny's going to come in right here, right now. There what, we go. How you guys doing? Yeah. Hey, great. Kudos to you for, for, for what you were doing outside when you, when your uncle was inside. Yeah, you know, this is SM, you know, Ricky, uh, shout out to Rick, Rick DeLisi. Um, and, uh, he's, he's, he's on, he's there in Amsterdam right now. Definitely. You know, Rich, I love you too much. <laughs> I mean, it's crazy how much I love you guys. Yeah, I wish you were right over here on the other side of Kenneth with me right now. Yeah. Oh. All right, fellas, I'll talk to you guys soon, all right? Well, 
Richard, uh, before you go, just let them know, um, let, let our listeners, let our viewers know how they can get in touch with you, like how they can support you. Okay. Um, you, you got your own brand, right? Delicioso? Yeah, Free Delicioso. Tell us about it. Uh, the Delicioso is, um, you know, I'm, I'm, like, I, like I told you, I'm an activist. Uh, I'm getting ready to... Um, I'm going to, I'm going to try to launch Delicioso, um, probably the 20th of April. And, uh, after that, you'll be, um, you'll be hearing from me again. Okay. That sounds good. And, and of course, if you want to donate to the last pr prisoner project, I know that some of our MMTCs. Including... I want to I donate to them and I want to donate to freedom grow because they're all working hard to get guys like me. I mean, they're collecting money just so guys like me, when they're in there and they have family that don't have money to send them, that they send them little commissary and stuff for the stamps and, um, you know, phone time and phone cards and all that stuff. And I'm definitely going to back that up 100%. You know, um, once I start uh, moving along in the industry, I'll make sure that everybody has sweetie goals. <laughs> I like your logo, Ken. Love it. It's Great classic. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you, Richard. We All appreciate right. you. Thanks for joining us in the rotation this week. And we'll talk to you soon. You hear me? We'll That's see you again soon. Up. Peace. Well, look, um, y'all, y'all have heard it. That was America's longest serving uh, cannabis prisoner, um, you know, Rich Delisi, who was sentenced to 90 year, 98 years by a Polk County judge. Uh, served 32. And, uh, you know, uh, funny thing is he got uh, sent away in 89. Had it been in, uh, after 1995, the Florida Truth and Sentencing Act would have required him to have served at least 76 years before any type of release. So understanding, as he said, that he has comrades and, and people who we've met who will never be getting out. And uh, our prison industrial complex is wasting you know, uh, millions of our tax dollars to have nonviolent uh, drug offenders in prison. And, uh, you know, meanwhile, there, you know, as we've touched on, there are uh, child molesters and rapists and, and murderers running around on the streets. And, and yet, for some reason, uh, our government thinks it's, it's right and it's proper to, to throw the book at people and break up families and such uh, for nonviolent drug offenses. And that is something that we are dedicated to continuing to reform these laws and change which is why we think it's so important that you donate to Suncoast Normal, uh, that you become a member, that you understand that all of the proceeds that we get uh, go back into this organization to achieve the mission. And so go to suncoastnormal.org and become a member. Member benefits come with a lot of great things other than just getting a lapel pin and a membership card and a discount at Chillum. Uh, we have various events that are, are coming up. The Tampa Bay uh, Cannabis Business Expo, where if you're a member, you can get a discount of getting you a vendor table. This is going to be Saturday, April 23rd. It's going to be the largest expo. Uh, go to suncoastnormal.org if you want more information about it. You can uh, Tickets to general admission to the expo are actually free. 
but we do have some uh, amazing panels that we're putting together that you will want to pay to be a part of to hear uh, from these amazing panelists. Uh, you know, if you're an MMTC, if you're a doctor's clinic, if you're in the cannabis industry, uh, we'll have the opportunity for you to be a sponsor, for you to actually set up on-site interviews and, you know, really make a job fair out of this as well and, and showcase all the different ways that folks can get into the cannabis industry. As I said earlier today, we're getting close to half a million jobs in the legal cannabis industry in this country, uh, which has been declared an essential business. So during the pandemic, dispensaries did not close down. During the pandemic, Chillum did not close down. Right, Carlos? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So. Isn't it amazing that somebody can go to prison for something which is considered an essential service right now? Where they just close it down. Mind-boggling. That is mind-boggling. And One thing know. I didn't get to ask Richard is the quality of that Colombian weed that he was smuggling is probably not as good as the, the modern day Kush that we're smoking, right? He was saying that he was getting some good weed in jail, though. That was yeah, crazy. but for three fifty and eighth, oh, that hurt my heart. See, that Jeez. is almost like uh, True Leaves prices, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> it? It's disheartening too because, like, to talk to him and all all the shit that the and and now we're uh, Gary had me put make put this graphic together. Of all the bills that didn't go yeah, through, yeah, we have we have, we have to we have to hit this before we leave. Yeah. I'll, yes. I'll do it fast. Okay, I well, made the graphic, you know. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here <laughs> to say goodbye to some absolutely fantastic bills that didn't make it through session. So let let let's take the chat. Let, let, let's give off. let's give the names of the fallen and let's know what never got their first committee. And therefore, even though we're halfway through the session, we know they aren't going to go anywhere. We have Senate Bill 162, physician certifications of medical use of cannabis that has to do with lengthening the Should amount I of time. Like a trumpet thing, like a. Dur, dur, dur. Yeah, or, or you could play funeral for a friend from Elton John. Dur, you, know dur, dur. you don't have that available. We don't have the rights to that music. All right. Well, <laughs> SB 162, which was for certifications uh, for doctors to be able to, to uh, extend the amount of time you have to go before in between patients, dead. Dur, Next, dur, dur. SB 164, also certifications for medical cannabis that would have done <laughs> amazing things, including give initial exams at, 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 in the doctor's office, but everything else with telehealth dead Mm-mm. physician certifications for medical use also require would have uh, lead the requirement that qualified physicians need to be physically present so that was another one in regards to telehealth dead mm-hmm. hb 467 legalization of recreational uh, marijuana from representative hinson that was a highly comprehensive 147 page bill for legalization dead sb 470 revising penalties for nonviolent offenses from senator powell to reduce the amount of time that people would spend in jail for minor offenses. Dead. Dead. HB 495, <laughs> legalization of recreational cannabis from Representative Umfrey, a 437-page omnibus bill for legalization. Dead. No pages, no more. All right. HB Dead, 6, bro. HB 679 and 1268. Oh, we had so much hopes. If you remember, we had hey, Representative like Learned here. More than... More bills than ever, and more deaths than ever. Apparently, we had because... more bills filed this year than any other year in regards to cannabis bills, and yet so little of it actually got through. Yeah, Here, we have Learned and Roach's bill, the first bipartisan bill we put so much faith into, now dead. dead. It's never got to its first committee. Uh uh-uh. uh Thank you, Will Robinson. We really appreciate Who's that. Who's Will? 
Robinson. representative from Sarasota who could have put it on his agenda, <laughs> oh, but I, did not. I thought that was like that was the, danger. Will Robinson. Oh. All right. Now, State Bill <laughs> 740 medical marijuana patient protection. That's our bill filed by Senator Brandis to make certain that if you go into the hospital and you, you have medicine that's keeping dead, you alive, bro. it's dead. And hopefully Fucking dead. And, and that's going to have a lot Died of in the hospital. And you, you can be still taken off of the uh, medical transplant list. Mm -mm. Dead. Dead. HB um, 725, collateral consequences and penalties for criminal offenses with Representative uh, Joseph. That would decriminalize all, all the, the drugs out there to go ahead and, and offer more clemency. Dead. Dead. SB 744, the medical use of cannabis by out-of-state visitors. That's the reciprocity bill that would allow patients to come from other states who have the medical card to be able to work to get their product over here so they can come on vacation and not leave on probation. Dead. What is there? Like, there's like five more. Now, well, HB 693, the Department of Health, get done by Rodriguez and Drake, is still alive. And you will possibly see some amendments being attached to that bill. There are already four of them so far. That, that might have a chance. That's one kind of that's one avenue we have left. Now let's go on to the ones that didn't that didn't make it. XB seven sixty six and seven sixty eight. There's still one more. Criminal justice. Uh, oh yeah, Drug Free America Foundation. Uh, they are they asked to have uh, two hundred and forty one thousand dollars to do in a study on the adverse effects of cannabis and in in, in uh, pregnancy. Yeah, it's dead during pregnancy. Well, we, we actually hope it's going to die, but that may still make it. It and minimum, still might make it, but it's going to die. Minimum sentencing uh, from Eskimani, dead. 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 Now, expansion of qualifying conditions, dead. Dead. Re retention of MMTC licenses, wait and see. You might just see it on there, but the death toll is humongous. It is what it is. And what, don't worry, we already have rounded it's up. it's an eight one one eight seven on a marijuana bill. We have all oh, the humanity. This is this is this is not a case without, without suspects. We know who the suspects are who killed these bills. Not just the legislature, but also the anti woke bill, the fifteen week abortion bill. <laughs> Shall I? I mean, on? yeah. Let, no, let's just take a minute and pause for that because this really grinds my gears. The state legislature. I hear the has burning from here. All these amazing cannabis bills, which will make the system more patient centric, which will give patients the opportunity to spend less money, will give patients the opportunity to uh, breathe clearly and, and be able to work for uh, for those who are on the organ transplant list to be able to to breathe clearly to to, to have a clear head to know that they're not going to get kicked off for utilizing medical cannabis. Uh, you know these different bills that would allow for expungements. These different bills that would allow for decriminalization, these different bills that would assist the doctors in better serving their patients. And instead, the state legislature has sucked all the air out of the room for two bills, one an abortion ban bill, uh, which, you know, to me, it's like, you continue to attack women's health care. We continue to uh, go on this wedge issue, which has been decided by the Supreme Court. And yet, for some reason, they still want to talk about it. They still want to address it. And then beyond that, um, you know, we have these bills around uh, critical race theory in schools, which no school teaches 
critical race theory in the K through 12 system. All right, that is something that is taught in advanced law school. And you know what the sad part is, is that they just want to make sure that uh, students are getting this whitewashed version of history from the McGraw-Hill textbooks, you know? Uh, and, and, and for those of you who went to school, public school, you know, here in Florida in the 80s and 90s, you know, because there's a white Egyptian dude on the cover, even though Egyptians weren't white. So you, that's that the type guy. of the textbooks that they want to continue to put out and print. And then you have the, the Don't Say Gay Wait, Bill. What's going on? Jesus you know? wasn't white either. Jesus wasn't white? <laughs> yeah, well, Mediterranean olive complexion. No, here's the here's clear thing. Clearly, Jesus wasn't white because uh, <laughs> why would you go to Africa to try and hide a white person? Okay? Like, that doesn't make any sense. All right? His family was, fled to Egypt. <laughs> I was educated in Florida public schools. Okay, guys? Yeah, of course, right? Yeah. He, he does look kind of Aryan in some of the things that the, that they put out there. You know, blonde hair, blue eyes. Absolutely. The average Semitic person in in, in, so, uh, in Egypt right now looks exactly like that, right? But there is there is no House Republican that can sit up there and tell me that they're a champion of cannabis reform when they've sucked all the air out of the room for these two stupid bills around you know attacking uh, uh, and preventing kids uh, who are LGBTQ from you know uh, getting you know uh, education. Um, the don't say gay bill. Don't forget that one. Yeah, yeah the don't say gay bill, and then and then uh, the making sure that white kids don't feel uncomfortable because they're granddaddies and great granddaddies in Putnam County had slaves, you know? Well, and of course the voter suppression bill and uh, last not, but not least the uh, joint resolution that was put out by McClure, which is basically there to prevent anybody from being able to put a citizen initiative on the ballot. Yeah, they want to make it harder for us to make this happen. So I have to say, why are we the people taking this from our public employees, from the people who we have employed to represent us. Why are we accepting this? Why is this considered the status quo? Why aren't we going to rise up this midterm and vote all their sorry asses out of it? I want to ask the people that because we're going to put together an easy voter guide for you here at Suncoast Normal. We're going to show you which one of these bastards needs to go and which ones are actually allies. But the truth of the matter is, is that we need you, the people, to actually hold them accountable for it. We need you to vote your sorry asses out. I mean, that's, yeah. <laughs> now, I don't have anything to add to that. Well, I do. I do. Program <laughs> said note. it all, man. <laughs> Next week, we have a guy on who actually had said to the press, he cannot understand why people who attacked the Capitol were getting only a couple of months, and he, he had to serve almost a year for selling bongs. What kind of... It's Tommy Chong, and I want everybody to listen to me on the Rotation Podcast. Play it again. I love that. Go ahead. Do play it, again. it again. This is Tommy Chong, and I want everybody to listen to me on the Rotation Podcast. That's right. Next, this coming Wednesday, 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time for our friends on the West Coast. You can watch Tommy Chong jump here into rotation with Carlos, Gary, and myself. And I am, uh, you know, usually I don't smoke on camera. It's not something I, I like to do publicly. That's all evidence that will be used against me later. But I'm going to fire up the fattest blunt that I could find as we smoke with Tommy here in the rotation. I guess we should smoke weed, too. I mean, we, it has to be a solid rotation. That's just I mean, all there is to it. We are. In I'm gonna digitally pass you to the left hand side. <laughs> right? the, the left hand side. I mean, we're gonna <laughs> close the shop during the show because, yeah, it, it seems like people are gonna want a piece of Tommy. Well, but, I, people have said that they wanted to be there and they wanted to meet Tommy in person because they want to talk about their business. But you know something? 
We can't do that. But, but if you want to sponsor our show and hear Tom, have Tommy hear about your products, you can do that. Yes, we you still are accepting sponsors. You could be one of our sponsors for that show. We have a couple slots left. If you're interested, contact us over here at Suncoast Normal, and you can be one of the sponsors, and we can have your product on there as Tommy's on there, and he will hear about I'm it. I'm just going to play it again. Go ahead. One more time. This is Tommy Chong, and I want everybody to listen to me on the Rotation Podcast. That's right. You can watch live on Facebook. You can watch on Twitter. You can watch it on our Twitch page. You can watch it on YouTube, or you can go to suncoastnormal.org and you can watch it live there as well. Yeah. So there's plenty of platforms to tune in on. If you're missing the Tommy Chong episode, you're just missing it. I'll fix that watch live thing, I swear. And we we, <laughs> we, we thank Richard DeLisi for coming on today. Say, that was cool. Is there anything else? Like, we got everything, right? I think we got everything now. Okay, well, yeah. bye, everybody. See you. See y'all on Wednesday. Chong episode, yeah? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. This has been The Rotation, and you have been a part of it. You can be a bigger part of it by joining Suncoast Normal. Suncoast Normal is an organization that can help you make the change that we all need. Go to the Suncoast Normal website and become a member because that is how you become part of the change. You can find the Rotation Podcast on both SoundCloud and iTunes, but you can always join us in the Rotation at suncoastnormal.org. At that very website, you can join the cannabis movement by becoming a member of Suncoast Normal, gain access to cannabis events, cannabis info, Normal's legal network, and even a free membership to National, all by joining Suncoast Normal. That website, again, is suncoastnorml.org. You can also find us on social media at Suncoast Normal. Uh, Find us on both Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. And thank you, Gary, and good night. Good night.